Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition and helps you create a life by design. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and with me is my co-host, Travis McQueen. And today we got a Q&A. Yeah. This intro is exactly what my Instagram post was today. I just realized that. Create your life by design. Yeah. 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 Me sitting with Bubba over there and shit. Um. That was a good post. Yeah. Usually sad. I don't like your post, and that was a really good post. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> no, but that was dope, man. You explained it very well. I wrote that post three years ago. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> no, really. Yeah. Like, uh, at least a year. A long time ago. I tweaked a few things. Yeah. Like, for example, it did say uh, I have tattoos covering half my body. Yeah. So I said my entire body. <laughs> or majority. Yeah. yeah. I tweaked little things. Um, but, no, I went back and grabbed that because I started writing something similar, and then I was like, I feel like I've said this before, which is most likely the case with everything. Where do you uh, – And I just went to my profile and was like, popular posts, and I just scrolled down a little uh, bit. And on the back end, on Instagram, yeah. you can click, like, insights, you know? Yeah. I just looked at popular posts, and it was one of those ones, and I was like, perfect. Dope. Yeah. It was sick. But it was also cool, too, because, like, uh, the American flag in the background, like, that's – I was having a conversation with Andreas about this. Like, it's, I think it's important to – I mean, that's not why we put that big-ass fucking thing up, but um, it was quite, like, I love how shocked Travis Hunt was when he was just like, oh, my God, because it's so big. Yeah. I'm excited for CJ to finally come. I think he's coming to the gym tonight because he works crazy hours, and he was like, sometimes I get off so late that the other gym that he goes to is closed. Damn. He's like, can I come there? I was like, yeah, but I haven't showed him yet, so yeah. I want him to come in and just be like, what the hell is this? Yeah. Um, but no, like, you know, it, it's crazy because, like, I've, I've had conversations with, um, a few different people. Uh, some I knew from back in the day with soccer. I remember talking about this kind of stuff. Some uh, like Brandon Whitehead on the team. Um, Lisa, who used to work for me. Um, and then Andreas recently when he went down to Mexico because we're sourcing materials and we're checking out different factories for distribution and stuff like that for the apparel company. Um, but it just like it reminds me, man, like how like like I couldn't do what I do today if we weren't here. Plain and simple. Like in America. The United States is not where it should be, and it's not where it was. However many, honestly, it probably has always been like this, to be honest with you, but now it's like finally being recognized for some of the shit. Yeah. But it's still, like, I think we still have to sit back and go, like, you know, we still have a lot more opportunity than a lot of people. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like some of the third world countries, man, it's just like nuts. And like, Brandon has experience all over the fucking world. That guy has been everywhere. Um, and he's dying to get out here, you know? So it's like, it's just, sometimes I sit back and think, and it's like, man, like being an entrepreneur is not the easiest thing, but it's a hell of a lot harder anywhere else, you know? So, um, I don't know where, I think, oh, that's what spawned the, uh, that post post is because I was talking to Andreas about that because he was telling me some things that he saw down in Mexico that he was reflecting on just being like, man, thank God that like, I don't have to live down there, you know? And like, I mean, that's where his dad obviously is from and he struggled with a lot of shit. Um, that's, I don't know if he's ever shared that story with you, but that one's insanely powerful story. His dad's story about mm-hmm. getting to America and everything. But, um, but yeah, it's just like, it's cool. It's a good reminder. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Hearing those things and you go like, okay, I'm going to count my blessings and yeah, exactly. smell the roses thinking. and just work my ass off, you yeah. know, so to where we can. Yeah, exactly. Cool. All right, let's get it going. We got one coming. First one coming from Bradley Albright. It says, Hey, Cody, I appreciate you, and I wanted to ask, do you have any tips for someone who has been a low-carb, carb-cycling keto for a while now? I'm now tackling eating high-carb, lower-fat for muscle performance and muscle maintenance and neurotype. I started to make swaps for lean, leaner cuts of meat like chicken breast, turkey, 
and salmon instead of a lot of beef and eggs. And I did this in order to help lower fat intake, and I am eating a lot of rice and potatoes for quality carbs and starches. Just looking for ways to eat higher carb and lower fat that helps me nail my macros. Been going over over on fat intake. Got it. Um, this is one of those ones where I'm just going to throw out like a bunch of random tips because I need to be able to see your diet to really be able to tell. But I actually just had this conversation with a. This is this is the cool thing about doing a, I mean, you can call this a coaching podcast in a way, um, and being a coach, because I feel like many times, at least today, as we've been recording these, it's like, actually, I just had a conversation about this, but I literally just had a conversation about this, uh, on Monday with a client during their update. And like, I think it's, you know, there's, there's two, two things that come to my mind. And one side, it's like, it's a, I mean, travesty is, is a kind of an exaggeration, but it's sad because there's a lot of coaches that are like, you just eat leaner foods or like don't eat so much oil and they make it like it's so obvious. And it's like, well, dude, they don't do this shit like you do. Yeah. You know, it's not so fucking obvious. Like this is what you do for a profession. So you can't say it like that. And then these people again, end up not getting any help. Um, but there's a lot of times where I go into people's diet and to me, I'm like, oh, duh, like do this, do this, do this, do this. And it's just so simple. But I don't approach it that way. I'm like, hey, like this, these would be some great ideas of how we can chip it away. And this is what I do and I show them. But for example, when I went in there, uh, you know, my client was uh, having eggs in the morning, which I recommended, coconut oil, cooking it in. Um, he didn't follow the exact template I laid out as far as what I would recommend. Um, and I didn't give him a meal plan per se, but I tend to guide clients on how to make their own meal plan. So I had to like kind of revert back to that. It was like, okay, like, so we got coconut oil here. Perfect. You're using a tablespoon of coconut oil, which is very normal. But I cook eggs in coconut oil every single morning and I use a teaspoon. A teaspoon of coconut oil is five grams of fat. A tablespoon is 15 grams of fat. You shave off 10 grams of fat right there, right? But a lot of people don't think of it. It's like, how do you cook in a teaspoon? It seems like very little, but it I use a large size pan and it does totally fine. Um, How do you do that? Then? You just use it. I think people think that you, it's not enough oil. Yeah, no. It's what, plenty of oil. What do you heat it up and just spread it around or what? Yeah. 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 Have you ever cooked in coconut oil? Yeah, and I've tried to use a teaspoon. I'm, I'm the guy yelling at you. I'm just like, how do you do that? One. It still s- sticks to the pan. You get cheap pans. Uh, no, no, we don't. Okay. Then you're probably heating it up too high. Okay. Because um, I'm just asking a general question. Number one, yeah. like, and I will say this, like, teaspoon it ain't that much. I am cheap as fuck when it comes to pans. Yeah. Like, dude, if you saw our last pans, they were like, Shannon was banging, like, it's enough is enough. And I'm like, no, like, until I got rust on my food, we're, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're using these fuckers. But when I we mean, move, since the wedding and everything, we've gotten brand, oh, yeah, all brand new stuff. <laughs> yeah. We, we just got some, uh, um, what are those? Is it Iron Chef? What is, the, you know, the, the blenders, the really popular blenders. Vitamix? No, Ninja. Ninja. Um, they Same make thing, yeah. They make pans and all that stuff too. Oh. And they're like cast iron. We don't put them in the dishwasher or anything like that. And I use a teaspoon on a large plate and I do uh, like a cup of egg whites with two whole eggs, mushrooms, spinach. Like it's a big scramble. No sticking. No sticking at all. Okay. Um, part of it too is like uh, what I used to make the mistake with is I would turn it on high and let it heat up. You got to start it on low and you actually have to like gradually, because I was reading on how to not fuck up your pans too quick. <laughs> and so they said like, actually, you got to like preheat your pans. I was so you start marriage, it on marriage low. counseling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> preheat it and start it on low and then slowly gradually cook it up. And I actually think that helps not evaporate. You know when like you leave oil on for too long before you get your food on there and it starts smoking? Yep, yep. That's evaporating off the pan. So I think that would probably help. But teaspoons enough with olive oil, coconut oil, everything like that oh. typically. Um, 
but that reduces it. Even if you did two teaspoons, that's still another five grams of fat. Yep. Um, in his case, he was having three whole eggs because he was trying to get enough protein, still couldn't. I was like, hey, do two whole eggs and have a cup of egg whites. Now you just quadrupled your protein and dropped your uh, fat another five grams. Um, so simple things like that. You already switched from steak to chicken or from salmon to chicken or whatever it was. Boom, that's another easy one. Um, carb sources can be helpful. Sometimes a lot of people are eating things like... Um, whole wheat bread, bagels, stuff like that. White rice is zero fat. There's uh, different types of oats. And, and this is one thing that people don't think of. They just go oats, they just grab one. Literally take the oats and look at the back. Which one has less fat? Grab that one. And I do this even if I'm not on a low fat diet because I'm like, I want my carbs to be carbs, my fats to be fats. And then I can like, if I have lower fat carb sources, I can have higher fat protein sources, which are usually tastier, totally. steaks and all that stuff. Um, so you can find shit like that. People will be like, oh, well, I got like Dave's Killer Whole Wheat Bread, but they got like the ultra seed and there's seeds all around the crust. Well, the seeds are pure fat. Just get whole wheat. There's no seeds on it. It's way less fat. So there's little tiny tricks you can do with that. Um, obviously, like the easiest ones to recommend are any dairy product get low or no fat so go with like zero fat greek yogurt or low fat cottage cheese stuff like that go with more egg whites less whole eggs go with less oil anytime you're cooking um if you're going if you have a lot of like like one of the recommendations i made to him was uh pb2 because he was making um like smoothies and like freezer bowls and stuff like that and he was using peanut butter but to get enough peanut butter like he, there was one we had four tablespoons of peanut butter that's 32 grams of fat Right. And so usually people, people put two tablespoons. So I'm sure you just ate two tablespoons on the side. Yep. But, you know, you could do four tablespoons of PB2 and it would be four grams fat because it's powdered peanut butter. That's the whole point of it. Now, I will say if you've ever tried to make any like if you're eating uh, like a like a banana or an apple with peanut butter or something, PB2 sucks. Yep, it's not the same. But if you're doing like a smoothie bowl or anything like that, you cannot tell. It's actually even more potent of a peanut butter flavor. So little things like that help a lot. But for the most part, it's literally just doing exactly what you already did across all your meals, you know. And and so a lot of times what I see too is like, they're like, well, you know, I go to Chipotle for lunch every day because it's just easier. And I'm like, okay, but you got to know that. There, you're getting chicken. It's probably not just chicken breast, and it's probably cooked in oil. So there's always more fats in those kind of things. Or the teriyaki chicken, like yeah. described in the YouTube video, yeah. um, it's usually chicken thighs. So you got to ask for chicken <laughs> breast. So a lot of times it's right in front of your nose. You just got to like intentionally think about it. You know, so be intentional of what you're eating, though. Yep. yep. Cool. All right, we will move on to the next one. Comes from Pamela Vitoles. I just butchered that last name, but yeah, I you did. But real quick too on the fat thing, I just thought of this too. Oh. Creamer. So many people eat cream, drink creamer with their coffee. Like, uh, if you do, if you want to like really try hard, like stop having creamer. Like that's like it's a waste of fat because you're just pouring it in your cup and you're drinking it and it's not filling and it's not like an abnormally healthy fat, right? I do that like almond milk, stevia, and uh, uh, collagen. Whip it way lower in fat and it's really fucking good. And I've even had like non-fitness people drink it and they're like, actually, this is really good. So there's a lot of like non-fats, like alternate choices for your creamer and your coffee as well that I would suggest. Uh, if you're going on diet, like if you're at horrible. maintenance, yeah. if you're at maintenance and you like having creamer and coffee, go for creamer. Yeah. But if you're trying to lose fat, yep. stop having creamer. Damn. And it tastes really good. You just haven't given it a try. Have right. you? <laughs> no. I, I love flavor creamer. Dude, I, I do... I do 70-30 creamer to coffee. Yeah, Travis is not a good example. Of <laughs> Just with creamer, though. I mean, I love creamer. But anyway. I've never liked I've actually never used creamer until I started doing the almond milk thing. I've never even used milk in my coffee. 
Wow. Because I, I wasn't a big coffee drinker, so when I started drinking coffee, it was purely for caffeine. So I just had black coffee. Dude, horrendous. and then And then I added, like, stevia, and I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. You yeah. Know? And so I just, I, I've always been of the type of, like, I'm not going to try the lattes and all that stuff. I don't want to fall in love with them. No. <laughs> don't don't taint me with it. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't like them, but I just, I love black coffee with creamer. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I will try almond milk. I've, it's good. I've never done that, yeah. The 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 collagen I just do because it makes it thicker. Yeah. And it's vanilla collagen from first form, so it's Ooh. actually like decent. I'll bring you some because yeah. I have a couple tubs of it. And like nice. if you put that in there, do you have one of those whipper things? Yeah. Yeah. A if you do, button on it. Yeah. If you yep. do that with it, it'll whip it up and it's so good. Cool. I put stevia in it because I like it a little bit sweeter, but you could put sugar in there or whatever. Yeah. It would still be less calories than 7030 creamer. creamer. Yeah. Is it like heavy? <laughs> I was creamer? joking, if not 7030, but I was oh. saying I love creamer. Do you get the like uh caramel macchiato creamer shit exactly yeah. from yep. safeway I, don't, I mean wherever okay yeah i just wanted because shannon has like fred meyer's safeway i think it's the caramel whatever one but it has to be from safeway oh. it's like that safeway brand that she i don't know why yeah i don't know Not i that. wouldn't know either all right next one again is from pamela by there we go uh calorie versus carb cycling Anyone is anyone better than the other, and can they be done simultaneously? They are always. Oh, I guess they're not always, but they're almost always done simultaneously. Because like you got to think about it like this: carb cycling is calorie cycling, literally. Um, I mean, I guess you could technically not, but then you would be carb cycling and fat cycling. Mm-hmm. You'd be like macro cycling because like I'm looking at it like okay, if you're having two thousand calories and you're having high carb, low fat, and then the next day you still have two thousand calories, but you're having High fat, low carb, which I see no advantage to. You could argue like you're advantage improving. Advantage or benefit? None. Okay. Um, you're maybe, like people argue like you're increasing metabolic flexibility, but unless your goal is literally just metabolic flexibility, which isn't necessarily going to lead to any outstanding result. There's just not enough good research on it. There's no point to it. Um, you could intuitively calorie cycle or macro cycle with the same calories. And what I mean by that is like, I have some clients, for example, where it's like, we follow a very structured macro plan throughout the week, but on the weekends, I'm like, Hey, hit your calories, hit your protein, because now you can go out and eat. And maybe your food, maybe you go into like a high fat, low carb approach because like when you go out to eat, that's what you crave. And that's what you want to have. And that works better. Okay. So you have higher fats, lower carbs in the weekends, higher carbs, lower fats during the week, but your calories always stay the same. That could be a form of macro cycling. Otherwise, typically, carb cycling is always calorie cycling because the whole point of it is to have high carb and low carb days, but you should be accomplishing a deficit. So typically, you would have like, let's say your deficit is 1,500, and then on your training days, you have high carbs, and it's like 1,750. So you have an extra 250 calories via carbs. Well, now your carbs are going up and down throughout the week, but so are your calories, right? So you can't really do one versus the other. Um, But is there any advantage to it? Very, very rarely. Um, we have a really in-depth blog on this that I wrote that I would highly recommend you go check out. Uh, we'll link that in the description of the podcast. There's a video as well, um, and that's in the blog. So you can just go to the blog, and you'll see all of that. And I kind of talk about this, and there is some situations where it might be beneficial for, like, athletes, right? Um, the, the situations where I would consider it valuable and that I've used it with athletes would be, like, for me, CrossFit athletes, but like this would apply for anybody if they're in any type of sport, if you have two days, right? There's mm-hmm. some sports where like for CrossFit, they have some days where there's like aerobic training in the morning, lifting at night. And there's some sports where you have practice in the morning, weight training at night or whatever. Yep. Um, those would be high carb days. And so you might have higher calorie days because 
if you're always in a high calorie state, you might be putting on body fat and you don't want to put on body fat because your performance might rely on you staying relatively lean and light because you need to be light on your feet, but you need more carbs to perform well. So on those days, we might increase carbs. Um, I know with a lot of my CrossFit people, I would do like more intuitiveness. So we'd be in ranges because, you know, they might not have two workouts tomorrow, but those two workouts of the day just fucking tax them. And then tomorrow they're just super hungry and drained. I'd rather them fill up their carbs a little bit more and recover well for the next day. Um, and with CrossFit, it's a wild card. So they don't always know what the training's going to be like and how much energy is going to be expended during the training session. So I usually say like, Hey, your carbs are going to float between here and here yep. and you need to be intuitive. And if you need help based on the workout, you just ask me and I'll tell you, yeah, float higher to about here, so on and so forth. Um, and that could be as easy for like some athletes as adding, I mean, even I technically carb cycle right now because I have a carbohydrate drink during my workouts on my non-training days. I don't drink that. Mm. So that's an extra hundred calories I have on training yeah. days because I'm drinking 25 grams carbs during my workouts. So you can sometimes, um, but in general, when we're talking about fat loss, there hasn't been any studies that have really shown any benefit because, uh, if your calories equate to a deficit at the end of the week, it's going to be the same. So really what it boils down to is like, if, I can adhere better by following lower carbohydrates on some days, higher carbohydrates on other days, then it's an advantage, right? But like the way I do it in the article, you'll see like a graph and it's like this person has really low days and really high days throughout the week. But by the end of the week on average, they're at 1800 calories. And this person just eats 1800 calories every day. The end of the week, they have the same exact caloric deficit. One person has days where they're really high carb and they're almost going into a surplus or at that maintenance. Other days, they're in a really aggressive deficit, but it equates to the same thing at the end of the week. There's going to be no difference in results, theoretically speaking. But for some people, they might adhere one way better than the other. I know for me, I'd hear better every day being the same because I don't like to figure out like to me, like if I eat more calories today, I'm going to be hungrier tomorrow. So I don't want to go into a really low deficit tomorrow. And I also like to be able to go, okay, this is what I do every week. Here's fucking five Tupperwares with shredded chicken and rice. Here's five bowls of this oats thing. And I'm just going to store it on Sunday. And then I just am a robot Monday through Friday. Yep. And I just eat it. And I'd rather do that than go, well, some of these have more rice and some of these have more oats and try to, it's just not worth it. Yeah. Um, the same shredded chicken on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Meal plan right now is uh, that shredded chicken with bell peppers, barbecue sauce, all that with rice. And then the, sec- the next meal is oats, whey protein, cinnamon. So you had cinnamon. three or four times a day? Four now? Five. So I have breakfast before I leave home. Then I have that shred chicken. Then I have the oats. And then I have a post-workout meal. And then I have dessert. Gotcha. I thought you, uh, last week on the podcast you were saying you're, you're going to eat three times a week because you like bigger. No, I said when I go into a deep deficit, I will uh, eat less meals. There you, you go. You know what I mean? So like instead of me having like chicken and a little bit of rice in this yeah, meal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just just scratch that fucking meal. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have more protein and more carbs in the next yes, meal. You know? There we go. Um, right now I'm eating more frequently, but uh, cause my calories aren't super low yet. Um, but with carbs, like, like there's really no, the only thing that you could, you could maybe argue is that, you know, when, when calories get really low, maybe there's a benefit to it only because there is some theoretical reasons why. And I say theoretical because, there's not enough hard evidence with weight trained individuals for us to say like that's scientifically backed. It's still kind of like quote unquote bro science, but there's a lot of reasons why carbohydrates are anabolic from growth hormone to insulin to cortisol regulation, things like that. So I'm of the opinion that if my carbs are getting really low, I'd rather have like zero carb days and then like 
moderate carb days on my training day so I could have carbs around the window, uh, training window, um, and, and, you know, be able to have some more anabolic properties around my training sessions. But then you get to the problem too, where it's like, for me, I train five days a week, so I can't carb cycle, you know, cause I'd have, I would have two low carb days on the weekend. I'm not going to do that because it's the weekend. It's really hard for me to follow a diet on the weekend. So there's always like, it's always a double-edged sword, you know, um, I don't see much value in it. Um, at all. I think, I think most of the time people do better with just straight deficit, just get it done and then take refeeds or diet breaks every once in a while. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. All right. Let's go to the next question. Uh, it comes from N Gomez movement. Uh, it says touch and go versus dead stop for deadlifts. My goal, my goals are mainly leg hypertrophy and athletic ability. Second comes strength and lifting. Um, okay. So, uh, Real quick, I should just probably say this too. I see zero value in fat cycling. I just want to throw that out there. I don't think there's any value in f- cycling your fat macro at all. Um, all right. With deadlifts, this is a really good question. The problem is, is that you're, you have two completely different goals. So my answer is different for hypertrophy and athleticism. <laughs> uh, so I'll break it up and then I'll give you what I think you should do. So if somebody comes to me and they're like, what should I do? Touch and go deadlifts or dead stop deadlifts for hypertrophy. That's my main goal. I would say you shouldn't do deadlifts. Like for me right now, I'm only training for hypertrophy. I don't do any deadlifts. There's no deadlifts in my program. There's Romanian deadlifts, but there's no like actual heavy deadlifts. And the reason is because it is just not a good muscle building exercise. Um, You're using multiple muscle groups. You're not creating a long duration of tension. You can't do a lot of volume without fucking up your back. There's just not, it's just not a good good thing. I don't know. There's just no, I don't, I don't see any value in it. I don't, I shouldn't say any value. There's the value of a deadlift in a hypertrophy program is to build neurological strength that translates to other exercises. But I think, and a lot of bodybuilders, this is how they do it. If you're going to utilize deadlift variations for muscle growth, I think you should be doing Romanian deadlifts because it's an extremely taxing from a muscular perspective, uh, movement on your hamstrings. So it's a really good ham and glute developer and maybe rack pulls because you can overload and just focus on the lockout, which is basically just working on your lats. Yeah. Um, if you're doing strength, I don't like touch and go deadlifts at all. I think there's, there's reasons why you could do touch and go deadlifts for like speed work, which if you're power, if you're one of your goals is athleticism, you could make that argument. But I also think that you're going to generate, like you're going to be more explosive and, and generate more power and have more athleticism. If you can pull explosively from the floor on a dead stop, because if you can be dead stop and explode versus bounce and explode and have that momentum, I don't see that being very translatable to athleticism. If I'm trying to work on reaction time, I'm not even going to do a deadlift. I'm going to do like a depth jump where you jump, st- step off of a box and then the second your feet hit the floor, you're rebounding and jumping up, right? Or like a med ball toss when somebody tosses it to you first. So you throw me a heavy med ball and my job is to catch it and release it as fast as I can. That's reaction time. So when you're on a court or a field or anything like that, it's a different transferability. Um, deadlifts touch and go to me it's just like a recipe for injury you're just like ballistically bouncing off the floor like which means that there's a good chance that you're going to do more reps than you're capable of or do a heavier weight than you're capable of because you use that momentum from the bounce to try to lift and then you get to the top and fuck your back up or something yeah i just don't see value and strength in the deadlift is a concentric lift so it's it's designed to be something that you if you watch like really strong people especially like power stuff they pull from the floor and they try to be as explosive as they can and they drop the fucking bar there's no eccentric. They usually keep their, you've seen me do this. I have my hands on the bar, but I drop it. Like I don't like just let go of it completely, but I never control the deadlift down. I drop, reset, lift, 
drop, reset, lift, right? And that's because it's a concentric lift. People hurt themselves on the eccentric portion of a deadlift. A Romanian deadlift is is an eccentric lift. You're sitting into that negative very slowly, but you also don't go as heavy, and you typically start from the top. Usually a Romanian deadlift, you should pull off of a squat rack and start from the top position versus a deadlift, you start from the floor. Now, I often do Romanian deadlifts. I just pick it off the floor like a deadlift and go, but typically you're supposed to do it from a rack. Um, so that's, I mean, that's kind of my answer. If your goal is athleticism and hypertrophy, the best approach and the approach I use in like performance bodybuilding and stuff like that in the Taylor trainer app would be like having uh, like, I like to split upper, lower push pull legs. And on the lower day, I might do a speed deadlift or a heavy deadlift for strength. And then on the lower hypertrophy day, I might do an RDL, right? Because it's for strength or for hypertrophy. Um, but the other thing is that you can't do like, you gotta, I think when you're trying to split in my opinion, you don't have to do this, but in my opinion, in my experience, it works best if you're trying to accomplish strength or power athleticism or whatever, and hypertrophy, I think you kind of have to choose between the squat or the deadlift because both of them put you in vulnerable positions. Both of them are probably the highest injury risk exercises that people do with a, a barbell, typically. You could say like a snatch, something, but like normal people just doing regular classic compound lifts, it's going to be more risky than the bench press or a chin-up or anything else that would be considered a compound lift. And both of them usually injure the same areas, low back, Right. So uh, it's my opinion that you should, if you're doing both, you should choose one that you want to do for strength and one that you should do for hypertrophy. So if you want to build your deadlift, do a heavy deadlift on one day and then do like higher rep squats on the other day. And you could throw in like a single leg or a dumbbell RDL or something on that day. So it's not tons of barbell work. Or if you want to build your squat, do a heavy squat the first day and then do an RDL for higher reps the, with a the barbell the next day. But Touche. Yeah. That's typically how I program. <clears throat> yeah, that's good. All right, um, let's go to next one is from Sharice. Uh says, I am a 911 dispatcher and have to do shift work. I'm a solid morning person and will be going on to nights for the next six months. I sleep four to five hours if I'm lucky on the nights I work, but I sleep eight, eight plus hours on the weekends. I was planning on doing a reverse diet and maintaining for several months after being on a diet for a majority of the year. Would you recommend going back into a diet to reach my final goals when I'm not getting adequate sleep? I'm a structured person and I don't mind it being difficult with lowered energy levels. I want to reach my goals and I only have about 10, 15 more pounds to lose. Did she say when she dieted last? No, I was planning on doing a reverse diet. After maintaining for several months. Okay. Yeah, if you're maintaining for several months, then the only reason I ask is, like, if you just got done dieting, yeah. then no, I wouldn't recommend it regardless of your shift work. Uh, but if, you, if you're if you planning on reversing slash being at maintenance for several months, then, yeah, I don't see anything wrong with it. Um, here's what I would say. It's like, I, I, you know, sleep's important. Don't get me wrong. But is sleep going to completely stop you from losing or being able to lose body fat? No. It's not going to stop you. You can still lose body fat even if your sleep's not perfectly optimal, especially in your case. If you were like, I only sleep four to five hours a night every single night, that's different than I only sleep four to five hours a night and then I catch up with eight plus hours on the weekends. It's not ideal, but you're still not that crazy. Like I have plenty of clients that lose fat on six hours a night and you're basically at six hours a night if you're catching up on that much. Yeah, exactly, on average by the end of the week. Um, Would it be a hell of a lot easier if you got seven hours a night? Definitely, you wouldn't be as fatigued. And you'd, it'd be easier to adhere. That's like one of the big things with sleep and fat loss. It's not that you burn so many calories while you sleep that it's this huge like metabolic issue. But also because 
with sleep, if you deprive yourself of sleep, adherence and um, what is the word? It's uh, inhibition is lowered. So inhibition is like if you drink alcohol, you're more likely to get street tacos. You're more likely to snack on stuff. Your inhibition lowers. And your inhibition is basically your ability to make uh, positive um, decisions, be responsible, right? And obviously when you're drunk, you don't have much inhibition. Uh, Same thing with sleep and food. So if you lack sleep, you're deprived of sleep, your inhibition is going to be low, your decision-making process is going to be low, Um, your your ability to adhere to a diet is going to be low, cravings are going to be higher, so on and so forth. So if you're, what I would say is like people typically get used to it. So if you're already used to not sleeping much, I think you'd be fine. And I'd also say is like, are you quitting your job anytime soon? And if you are, and you're like, yeah, I'm quitting in three months. I'd be like, okay, wait, wait three months. It'd be a lot easier for you to diet after you quit. But I doubt you're quitting your yeah. job. <laughs> so if, if your job's your job, then you got to do what Work you got to do. It. Yeah. Nothing yeah. you can do. So totally. definitely go for it. All right. Um, good. We got one coming from La. Leandre Joust says how to how to or any let's see how she wrote this how to slash tips to build the proper athletic base and uh, compatibility no that's not the right word how to how to or tips to build the proper athletic base and capability in kids age by age training advice what is the right time to introduce weight weight training this could be a whole podcast. I mean, that's like age by age tips. Fuck. I mean, that's difficult. But um, I mean, did she did she say any age? Nope. Nothing. Just okay. So just youth. Um, I'm gonna keep this very basic because this this I mean, it's a whole. There's a whole world of youth athletic training. It's not my world. I don't do it. Um, it's not that I don't care about it. It's just not. I think that there's like. I used to value just knowing as much as possible. So I would study everything, but there came a certain point where I was like, you know what? I want to be the best at what I'm a coach in, you know? Um, but I used to train youth athletes when I worked at the gym. Uh, that was actually one of the first things I did because I was the youngest person that worked there. So it was like easy for them to put me with the youth kids. Cause I could maybe relate easier, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but what we try to do is is like we focus more than anything on functional movement patterns and a slow progression of movement before loading and then making things fun, making everything into a game and more variety because kids get bored really fucking easy. So, for example, we, we were had no problem with going with like really slow tempo goblet squats and then slowly progressing before we ever even touched a barbell, right? Um, we use the trap bar deadlift a lot. We did a lot of unilateral training because we want to make sure that we're eliminating imbalances uh, while they're still young. Um, we also knew that it's safer to do unilateral in a lot of cases because we can really load the muscle a lot without actually loading the spine a ton before we got comfortable with the, with the kids. Um, neurologically, they're very pl- uh, uh, plastic not plastic, but, um, pliable or malleable. Mm. Um, this is why like when you see it, well, impressionable too, but malleable from a sense of like, if, if I have this like eight year old kid, who's just like stick and bones come to me and we train him for four years, he's going to be a fucking savage quick. And then he's going to be basically genetically gifted for the rest of his life. Mm. So if you see a lot of guys that are genetically gifted, a lot of times they're not necessarily genetically gifted. They're epigenetically gifted, meaning that they manipulated their genetics at a young age based on their environment. So they got into wrestling when they were really young and they stayed wrestling all through their 
grade school and middle school and high school. And so they were basically applying resistance to their muscular system and their nervous system from age fucking seven till 18. Yeah. You know, I know kids that we went to high school with that are still jacked and don't even work out, but it's because all through school they were just wrestling. Yeah. Right. So they're really pliable. So you don't have to do a lot of crazy stuff, but it's a good age to get them in and do a lot of neurological stuff. So that's where I'm doing more functional movements, more uh, power development with like safe stuff, uh, more strength training because building strength and, and honing in on like their very malleable nervous system is, is key. Um, a lot of hand-eye coordination stuff because, again, they're very malleable. So you can improve somebody's reaction time and their ability to respond, react, move, be agile um, really, really easily and power development because that's very neurological-based when they're at a young age. Um, so we used to do a lot of stuff, for example, like somebody's standing on the turf and I have uh, tennis balls in my hand, right? And I'm, I have two in my hand and I'm going to throw one and whatever one I throw, they got to let it bounce, catch it, throw it in the bucket, catch, throw it. So we're just throwing like left and right and they're going back and forth trying to catch it and move it. So it's just all hand-eye coordination. Agility stuff. Agility stuff. It's tiring, but it's also like reaction. This, that's why that's actually way more beneficial than like fucking speed ladders, which are not remotely as beneficial as people think they are. In mm. fact, they've gotten a lot of hate on them finally because they're just not that, not that tight for lack of better terms. But one of the reasons is because the ladder doesn't move. Guess what? People on the field fucking move. So a tennis ball that I'm throwing moves. Another cool one to do is tag, which sounds very simple, but you can do tag with kids and you can make sure that they have to tag a person in a certain spot. It's actually why like flag football is a great example because you have to reach to a spot, grab a certain thing. So um, one of my favorite ones to do with the kids was quad, quadruped shoulder tag. So if you're on all fours, you can't be on your knees, you're on a quadruped position like a bear crawl and we're facing each other on the turf and I have to use my left or my right arm to tag your left shoulder or my left arm tag your right shoulder and we're moving and it's a time-based thing so however many tags we can get in a certain amount of time and i have to have three points of contact with the floor which means that i have to have a hand and two feet on the floor at all times i can't like kind of step up with both hands and get like a, a height discrepancy on you i have to stay on all fours and now we're like we're going laterally we're going forward we're going backwards we're in that quadruped position which is really good for your core and i have to get into that three-point stance which is anti-rotation and it's reaction. So when you reach, I retract, then I come back, and it's like this tag game. Uh, it gets fucking intense with, like, kids, too. Yeah. But stuff like that makes it a game, you know? So even progressive overload. How can you make progressive overload a game week to week? And, and Interesting. What, what things Enjoyable. Exactly, yeah. And yeah. even, like, put two kids against each other, make it friendly competition, yeah. um, make them compete against themselves week after week. Um, even from a, a standpoint of, like, looking at, variation of exercise you know we might be working on the trap bar deadlift every week but if that's the case then the the single leg squat afterwards maybe it's a split squat i'm gonna change that every week bulgarian split squat front foot elevated squat walking lunge. like what can i do to change that because they need that stimulation you can just assume they basically have add yeah. even if they don't because in the gym they will and we have to have that variation so um general tips variation make it a fun game um work on a lot of neurological components of training because they're very malleable um and yeah make it fun totally all right we got one more here it says does the is from liz b it says does the taylor trainer app have programs that utilize dumbbells only or do you have or or do you have to have access to a gym Slash gym equipment barbells. 
to get the most out of the app. I started strength training shortly into the pandemic and have collected dumbbells from 3 pounds to 50 pounds. While gyms are back open, I do not have the extra time in my day with work, family, and other extracurriculars to make it to the gym all the time, but I want to continue to gain strength as much as I can with what I have available at home and wonder if the app will be a wonderful if I don't have to go to the gym to train. Uh, it's one of those things where, like, can you yes? Would it be optimal if you went and got a barbell or you went to a gym? Absolutely. You know, um, there are no dumbbell only programs in the app, but there is a couple home base workouts and a couple functional based workouts that don't use anything um, outside of dumbbells, a TRX, and bands and a barbell. Um, one of them is just bands only and stuff. But there's a few programs that literally the only thing that you don't have that they use is a barbell and there's substitutes when you don't have a barbell. So the reason there's no dumbbell only program is because when you go to do the deadlift, you just click the substitute button and you pick the exercise that doesn't require a barbell. There's no point in me creating another program that says dumbbells only and it's the same exact program but with the dumbbells of the barbell when we have the feature in the app that you can sub exercises yeah. in and out. Um, so I think you'd be fine. And th this is like where I think – you know, I was talking to somebody the other day and they were kind of asking a similar uh, question. And I said to him, I said, you know, like there, there's a, a quote that I've used in the past that, you know, it, it's a little bit more hardcore than what this applies to, but uh, it's, it's uh, raise your commitments or lower your standards. And the reason I say that is because if you reach a point where you're no longer gaining strength and you want to continue gaining strength, you can do one of two things. You can lower your standard of what the optimal result is for you, or you can raise your commitment and raising your commitment would be going and investing in a barbell and some plates or making time for the gym, right? To go to the gym. Um, we all have time to figure these things out. We all have 24 hours. We all have 24 hours. We all don't prioritize the same thing in 24 hours and that's okay. There's plenty of people who, um, and I'm not saying this is the case with you who asked the question, but there's plenty of people who say they don't have time to go to the gym, but no, you just don't want to go to the gym. You would rather do other things and work out at home. And there's actually nothing fucking wrong with that. Yeah. Like there's zero wrong with that at all. There's people who would rather just go on a run. There's also nothing wrong with that, but don't like, and this is again, isn't you, but if somebody came to me and they're like, well, I just like, I only have time to run, but I really want to build strength. I'm like, no, stop fucking running and go lift weights. Cause you're not going to get stronger by running. You get more aerobically fit. So if you love running so much, more than you want to build strength, then that's okay. But if you just don't go to the gym because you're uncomfortable, you're not making time for it, then just admit that's it. That's right? a different story. Yeah. So again, lower your standards or raise your commitment. And so the standards are set. And so for like, for me, my standards are so at, at a point for my physique or my strength that I would, I need a gym. I, fit, I couldn't even do a garage gym at my house anymore, even though I had my garage gym checked out because there's not enough room to put all the things I can put in there to optimize what I want to do. So I need to go to a global gym or I need to build a big gym here, which is what we obviously did. But I think that's a situation, you know? So um, the conversation I had with the other lady, when I said this to her, it, it was like, so like, let me ask you this. Like, what is your standards? It's like, I want to be fit and healthy. Great. You do not need a barbell and you don't need to go to a gym. You have dumb, she had dumbbells, bands, and a little bench to use her dumbbells on. I was like, you don't need anything more than that to be fit and healthy. Like you want to be generally strong, great. But if you get to a point where you're doing RDLs and goblet squats and stuff with those 50-pound dumbbells, which is as high as her adjustable dumbbells would go, and you desire more, then you got to make a bigger commitment. And that's going to look like investing in more weights or investing in a gym membership or creating time to go to the gym. But if you max out those dumbbells and you're happy with where you're at and you're like, I don't feel the need to get any stronger than this because I don't need to be any stronger than this, like 
I can run fast. I can carry my grocery. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's certain things that I have goals for that really aren't functional for life. I don't need to be shredded. I don't need to be more jacked. I literally don't, but I desire that. That's what the standard I'm trying to reach. The commitment has to be high. So I think that ultimately that's what it is. And is the app going to work for you? Of course. But like if your commit or your standard ends up exceeding where you're trying to go right now, then at that point you're going to need to invest in more and use a different program in the app or use the same program, but actually use it how it's without the alternates by getting a barbell or go to the gym. You know what I mean? Um, It's the same thing when people are like, I only train three days a week. I don't just, I just don't have much time, but I really want to put on more muscle. You got to train more. You got to find time. Plain and simple. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, what else can you do? Not not, that, t- not take a pill. <laughs> yeah, there's there's literally nothing. Unless yeah. you want to go take steroids, there's literally nothing you can do, which I'm assuming if at that case. Wouldn't steroids be, like, like not very beneficial if you're only training three days a week? I mean, it would be like um, you, have a, you have a fire going already with three logs. I mean, would it be a bigger fire if I put five logs in there? Yeah. Okay. So five logs would be five days or three days with a little bit of steroids. Yeah. Like same thing. Yeah. So like basically steroids with the gasoline. Okay. You can have a bigger fire. Yeah. You could have a fire without. Yeah. Be a lot bigger with some gas. Yeah. Um, but there's obviously there's risks with yep. it. You know what I mean? So you yeah. also have a lot of other shit that I don't even really understand. So yeah. I'm not going to give advice on that. Yeah. 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 Um, shortened lifespan for one. <laughs> I'm assuming. I thought you um, weren't going to do it. Yeah, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's what I think. I don't really know enough about science with steroids. But but the point is, is like, yeah, like. You, you can't expect more. Unless than, you're still putting the work in. Yeah, unless yeah. you're willing to commit more, basically. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, cool. That was the last question today. So, dope. Um, couple quick shout outs. Uh, first form, head over to firstform.com slash tailored coaching method. If you're still listening to this and you want the best supplements in the game and the best customer service out there, go check them out. Make sure you leave us a five star rating review on Spotify and iTunes. Check out the blog. Check out the YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button because we're dropping videos every single week. And uh, take a screenshot of the show if you liked it. Share it on your Instagram story and tag myself at Cody McBroom. I want to thank you for listening. We appreciate you guys and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>